Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. On today's show, we will review an incredible Serie A Super Saturday. Inter win their fifth Milan derby in a row by destroying Milan 5-1 to to send a Scudetto message to to the rest of the league. Uh, Inter looking better than ever under Simone Inzaghi, as does the ageless Henrik Mkhitaryan. Is Marcus Turam, who scored an incredible goal, an upgrade on Romelu Lukaku, who started so well at Inter? As for Milan, we'll have a look at what went so horribly wrong and is Stefano Pioli to blame? Juventus produced a fantastic performance of their own, beating Lazio 3-1 with with some brilliant performances from Dusan Vlaovic, Manuel Locatelli and even Weston McKenney. Napoli slip up again. Has Rudy Garcia already destroyed Luciano Spalletti's work in, in less than a month? As for Lukaku, he played for the first time with Paolo Dybala together as Roma thumped Empoli 7-0. So we'll review all the rest of the weekend action and we'll also preview the first match day of European football this midweek with some big, big games in the Champions League, including Milan versus Newcastle. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian football podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then you can go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. And you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify instead. Uh, we'll provide the link in the description. It's the same price, the same terms. And for those of you that do listen on Spotify or on Apple, iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate if you give a, a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. We're also on YouTube. Uh, it really helps us to grow and do more, more quality content for you guys. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post productions. Go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, so only one place to start, the Milan derby. Inter smashing Milan for five, five 5-1 win. Another brilliant Inter performance, both collectively and individually, all over the pitch. Nima, um, 
I know that you're you're over the moon because mm. I think you've been shouting and, and cheering so much that your voice has almost gone. Yeah, it? no, it is. It is gone. And it's also <clears throat> this, uh, the, the temperature changes in Stockholm. But yeah, let's go with your story instead. It's the shouting because I was shouting and Marcus <laughs> Turan made me absolutely lose my mind. Um, I am completely blown away by what a talent he is. Uh, I, I wanted him two years ago when he got injured on that last weekend and we ended up buying Joaquin Correa, who hopefully won't ever come back again to Inter and Serie A. But um, no, it's uh, I'm incredibly, I'm a little bit shell-shocked because for me what Inter showed was, because I think that up until the 71st minute, something like that, if you look on the preponderance of play, if you look on how it was, it was fairly balanced. Milan were, well, up until, you know, Mkhitaryan scored 3-1 and then it's it. But Milan had just gotten their goal back. Inter were, they were putting pressure on Inter. They were uh, imposing themselves. Inter looked to be a little bit on the back foot. But they never panicked, Inter. Um, they were incredibly mature. A very controlled, calm, cool performance that when they were in a difficult period, when Leao did score that goal after some defensive blunders, Inter didn't choke. They didn't stress. But instead, they reverted back to their game plan, they found balance, and then they proceeded to sit right out the storm and then not look back after that and just, you know, thump Milan, take them to the cleaners towards the end. But I mean, it was, and it was also an Inter that played in very many different ways. I mean, if you look at the first half, I think Inter had 31% of ball possession, played very deep, very, you know, did not at all walk into Pioli's trap, but in fact gave them the ball and said, here, you you do something with it. And they were unable to. They really were unable to. Um, and they were, the, the clinical aspect of Inter that I've been very, you know, we've been very critical about that they create so much, but they can't score. Well, they were lethal um, in, in, in the first half. I mean, yes, Mkhitaryan should have probably scored another one with a header, free header from DiMarco's cross. But other than that, Inter were just were lethal. Um, and they, in the second half, when they when they needed to be again and to, to dominate possession and dominate midfield and take control, and that's why they had 40, I think they had something like 49% possession in the second half, and overall it was 60-40 in Milan's uh, favour. But that just shows to me the versatility of this team, that Inzaghi has so, many, so much depth uh, available to him, so much so many different kinds of players that allows him to play uh, in very many different ways, but always keeping his system intact. And his system is is the the, the triangles, the numerical advantages in big triangles. Um, and he kept doing that over and over and over again. Um, it was so, so interesting to see. I've, I think it was in the 50th or 60th minute when the ball goes from Inter's left-hand side diagonally all the way to the to the right-hand side and then it's played right back to the left-hand side like a, a huge triangle um and and he does that all the time this is a defining characteristic of Inzaghi's Inzaghi's football uh, that together with obviously Inter not having a single dribbler on the on the team I think we're 20th in the Serie A for dribbles completed per game um but the passing, they are such a safe passing side. Um, and now they are solid defensively in a way that we've not seen under Inzaghi. 
and they are lethal up front. And they showed that this is, you know, this is going to be, they, they are throwing, they're sending out a message. And I think that with that, after a performance like that, and after the start of the season like that, well, they've raised the bar. It's not me raising the bar after a derby win. It's they who have raised the bar. Definitely, I think. I think that um, two points. That I think that the Champions League run has has given into uh, confidence. Um, mm. they, they have grown. They've definitely. They've clearly grown. You can see that they feel so much more confident in themselves in all areas of the pit. Yeah. All scenarios, like you said. Yeah. Milan made it two one. They didn't panic. They just brushed it off. And it, you know, they did what they had to do, and they got the third goal. They never felt flustered. No. They were in total, to, they're mentally in total control of themselves, uh, and that was what really that that's what really impressed me the, the most. They looked like the masters on the pitch, despite Milan having the more possession, despite Milan taking the game to them. It was always into the look like the masters. There's a difference. Mm. You know, there's a difference between having possession where you look like you're in control of the game. Milan had possession, but Inter looked like they're in control of the game. Yeah. You know, this is the key thing with possession when we have debates over possession. You can have possession, but not look like you're in control of the game. Yeah. Inter looked like they were the ones that were, were calling the shots. Uh, and throughout the game. Throughout, throughout the, the game. game, yeah. And they looked so complete, as like you said as well. You know, are there any weaknesses? We said this, you know, a week or two ago. Is there any weaknesses in this? Yes, in, and I think we saw that. The only thing I, for me is only really a lack of pace. Yeah, uh, lower down the pitch. That's uh, what I'm thinking. That's, that's all, for me. That's all I see as a clear, clear weakness because the depth and the subs bench is so strong as well. You know, at two one, Milan are looking good. Inter can bring on Fratesi, Augusto, Arnautovic for an injection. You know, they know how to manage the game now as well. Um, so, I mean. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. But I, I, I want to talk about uh, well, two players, Taram, who we've got a segment on, so we'll we'll, mm. we'll, 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 we'll hold him for the moment. But Makatarian, I mean, when he joined Inter last year at the age of thirty-three, almost thirty-four, yeah. I don't think anybody, nobody at all, he was expected in to be a rotation player. Yeah. Yesterday, I think he gave the best performance of his career. It was oh, sorry, on Sunday, on Saturday, not yesterday. Yeah. It was it was the best performance of his career, one of the best performances he's ever played. He was absolutely unbelievable. He looked so fresh, so light in his step. There was um, so easy. Everything looked so calm and controlled, and I was I, I just couldn't believe it. Like and 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 I was so surprised because I was calling for Fratesi to start because I think he was so good, and I think he you know I wanted to see him next to Barella. But Mkhitaryan was the man of the match, and it wasn't even close. He was unbelievable in both phases, in possession. His football IQ, we know, is, is, is through the roof. But the way that he called the shots in midfield, um, obviously, it helps when you've got Chalanoglu and Barella next to you to express yourself. But I thought he was simply outstanding. And you know what he's, you know what he's adding to his game, and I think people forget about this that when he was at Dortmund, and I, and I and I think it's probably his best performance since he exploded at Dortmund. Definitely, um, is you know at Dortmund he was like an attacking midfielder. He was, yeah. you know, he played as kind of like an AMC in a in a like four two three one, didn't he? Under yeah. under Klopp, you know, that was his position. But then he kind of became a little bit deep, and then Mourinho kind of reinvented him into a more of a deep line player, and, and people kind of forgotten. That that was actually his natural role, you know. That he was more, a more, much more attacking player. I feel like at Inter, and we definitely saw this in this game. That you know, we were talking about 
Italy uh, ahead of their, their their international games about how you know in the the, the Luciano Spalletti system mm. having that player that can play like in a three man midfield but then can morph into the link player and be almost like a number 10 in like a, you know, a Zielinski, Spalletti, yeah. the Zielinski rather, the Spalletti system morphs into a 4-2-3-1. Obviously, uh, Inzaghi doesn't play, he plays a 3-3-5-2. Three, three, but you see, Mkhitaryan has been, now his role is, he, I see that role that he's been mm. almost like a Zielinski-like player for Inter and in that he plays in the midfield three, but then he's, He's then linking. He links the, the. He's linking the play so so well in between the lines, but he's. I mean, he can do everything. He's so. He really he's can. so complete, and he. And I mean, he's nearly thirty-five years old. But I mean, he's. Mm. I mean, he was insane in this game. He scored two goals. Assist. He got a brilliant assist for Fratesi. He also got an even better hockey assist for the mm. Taram goal. Have a look at that right. pass that he puts out to the to the right hand side in the build up to the. In the build-up to the the, the the goal from for for Taram, I mean, I mean, he could have had a hat trick as well because he missed a big chance, didn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He should have. No, he was he was a, a simply unbelievable. Um, and he, you can tell also by the reactions of his teammates on social media that he's very very popular. And I think what has happened now that <clears throat> Jake or Handanovic, D'Ambrosio, all these kind of players that used to kind of be leaders in the dressing room have left it's that you've got the ones that are left that are experienced they've taken more control and and more space and it's working really well he's very popular they like him um and he leads by example uh he's become a leader at inter and it's really insane again given that he was brought in to be a (laughs) a a rotational player and then now he is a starter you do not you do Same not with Chalanoglu. I mean, we have to give praise to Inzaghi for getting the best out of these two players. I mean, he's reinvented Chalanoglu. Mm, he's, he's got out of Mkhitaryan something that no one, as much as Mourinho did, and we have to give praise to Mourinho. Yeah. Mourinho reinvented him and got gave him a second life at Roma. Um, but no one expected him to no. go to Inter and play. So we have to give Inzaghi present right, praise for both of those two players. And, and I mean, an Armenian, an Armenian and a Turk. I mean, I think they've done more for <laughs> Armenian-Turkish relations than, than, than anyone's ever done. Because I've never seen a partnership between a, an Armenian and a Turk like these two. I mean, they just spoke of them. Fantastic. Yeah. No, it is, and and but he's done this at Lazio before. He 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 made a Luis Alberto. He unlocked him. Sergei Milinkovic Savic exploded under him. You know, we've we've seen it. You know, Keita Balde had his best season ever under Inzaghi. But Inzaghi does this. You know, the best managers are the ones that improve players that that um that get the play that get players to regardless of age to get you know to to improve and get the most out of them. And, and Inzaghi does this systematically, but. No, it, it was. Um, I was very, very uh, happy by when Fratesi and Carlos Augusto came on because Car- I think Carlos Augusto is going to be is going to be so useful. And Fratesi, we know. Uh, I was surprised that he took Barella off. I was thinking, hmm, but I, I, again, Inzaghi knows what he's doing. And and I got to say this, I, I can't remember the last time an Inter team. I mean, in terms of the players. And the manager were on the same wavelength, tactically, mentally, psychologically, was when Mourinho was at Inter in 2009, 2010. Mm. Um, it's, I don't, you know, no other comparisons between them, but that was the last time when I saw an Inter squad so balanced and so in tune 
at every level with their manager, who's on, who's also mm. in tune with them. They look so formidable. They really do. I mean, it's early days, you know. It's early it's days, very but, early but, days but, but they but, look formidable. They look, they look. Doesn't look like there's weaknesses in the team. They look complete. Well, they look like they've moved on to another level. They've got depth. And let's remember, I mean, their biggest, the biggest signing of the, the Serie A summer. Am I, mis- am I most Pavard, mis- mis- yeah. I'm not forgetting someone, am I? He hasn't even no. played a minute yet. No, you know, hasn't. so Benjamin Pavard. So I mean, it's. Uh, is is yeah is is really but we have to talk about Taram. I want to talk about Taram mm. because because you know I I always thought he had potential. I always thought he was a good player, but I didn't. I wasn't sure. I had my questions whether he could move on to the level that we've. And again, it's still early days to move on to the level that we've seen at Inter because he's looked a fantastic player so far. He's he's looked like a, again. We keep using this word complete. He's looked like the complete, complete attacker. Like complete, he can do it, but he can do everything. He can run with the ball. He runs the channels. His work rate. He wins the ball back. He presses. He he. You know, he's link up the the the, 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 the chemistry already with with Lautaro after just four games. I mean, when it was, even in the first game we saw it. I mean, it's it's incredible that the, the impact that he's had, and then you see the goal that he scored. I mean, wow, what what a goal! Um, I mean. I have to ask the question. <laughs> I'm not going to say it this time. Um, is Taram an upgrade on, on, on Lukaku? Yes. Yes, he is. He was brought in to replace Edin Dzeko and he's doing everything Dzeko did, only quicker, better and faster because Dzeko was like middle-aged by the time he reached the third and was, could no longer do that. Um, but he's doing all of those things. So that, that's what I was expecting him to do. But I didn't expect him to do what Lukaku did when he was at his best at Inter as well. And and together with Lautaro, they do they are both such complete attackers right now that and they have such an understanding that it just they they just look unplayable um together. And again, the 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 lightness in the step. When he runs, he looks like a as light as a feather. They all do. This this heavy heaviness isn't there that I felt was there many times. He's a big guy as well. I think he's like six foot four. He is. He's a big guy. But all of them, regardless if it's Mkhitaryan or if it's Lautaro or Turan, they don't look heavy. I don't know if they've changed something in how they prepare or or how they train or or how the diet or whatever it is, but they all look so feather light. They don't Mm. look, there's a spring in everyone's step. And, And that is truly, truly, unreal to see. I mean, the only negativity, if I'm going to be, you know, for free, if I have to be a little bit critical, is that... His finishing. Yeah. His finishing is not It needs to be more perfect. clinical, yeah. He needs to yeah. be more clinical, but we know that. We know that. Um, and that's something he's working on. And if Inzaghi can turn him into a 25-30 goal season striker, then, you know... Yeah, that, well, the one thing that Lukaku has on Taram is his finishing. Tur- Lukaku is mm. a better finisher than... Yeah. I, if you if you forget about the the... The, the kind of, you know, the meme or maymays like May-may. misses that, that Lukaku has, you know, that, that unfortunately at the end of his career, there's going to be a, there's going to be a long video of probably about 15 of them. But if you, mm-hmm. if you put those aside, because those have always been part of Lukaku's career, he is a fantastic top finisher. He's yeah, one of the he best is. finishers yeah. in the game. You know, yeah, if he's he one-on-one, he generally, you know, you wouldn't, there's not too many players you'd want in a one-on-one situation uh, ahead of Lukaku. But, Aside from that, I mean, from what we've said, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a small sample size so far, but what we've seen of Turan, I mean, he, he definitely, for me, he presses and works for the team much better than Lukaku. Off the ball, Lukaku is not great. That's, for me, that's, that's his biggest problem. That was, the, that was the reason why he failed at Chelsea. That's, why, or that's the reason why Tuchel, Tuchel couldn't get on with him. The fact that Lukaku's pressing off the ball, um, you know, certainly in, in alignment with his teammates, wasn't good. Um, 
So, you know, I think that he's very good at that, uh, to run, coming back and winning the ball, uh, running the channels. Um, and, I mean, what can you say? Two goals, two assists in, in, in four games. He also scored for France in yeah. the international break. And, and again, we're talking about these are the kind of little things that give a player confidence. You know, when you do something on the international stage, like Inter getting to the Champions League final, I think these, these give you that, that, these take you on to a little... They, these are the kind of almost intangibles that take you on to the next level. And I think that with Taram, even something as simple as that, scoring for France, you know, I think will give him such a boost. So, brilliant. Fantastic from Inter's point of view. Fantastic from Taram's point of view. But we have to look at Milan because there's always two, two sides mm-hmm. of the coin. And as good, mm-hmm. as, as good as Inter were, I mean, Milan were, were humiliated. This was a humiliation. And they, they really were sent back to earth. Because let's, let's not forget, they went into this game like Inter with three wins out of yeah. three. Brilliant start to the season. All the talk was about, you know, it's going to be a Milan derby for the Scudetto. You know, we even said it in our, ourselves in the preview. Yeah. We didn't expect, we expect this to be a lot closer. We didn't I, think this was going to be a runaway like it was in the Champions League semi-final. We thought this would be tighter, but here we are, a fifth win in a row for, for Inter. And this was the most, this was the most emphatic of, of them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what went <clears throat> wrong? What went wrong from the Milan point of view? I think they were, <clears throat> we shouldn't forget that they were missing, you know, starters in defence. Um, Tiao Chiao Kier was one of the worst central central defensive pairings I've seen in a Milan shirt ever. It was genuinely awful. Um, I think Kalulu was missed, but 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 also the fact that Chao to try to stop Marcus Taram, he just couldn't get near him. And we saw that as well last season when against Lukaku as well. Chao struggled against him, he just bounced off him. Um and I think there was a lot of they didn't look like a cohesive unit in defense either. It was a bit of a you know makeshift defense, um, but also I think tactically Inzaghi outclassed Pioli. I think he did. He the way that you know I was so worried that Inzaghi was going to go into Pioli's trap um, and start praying high up and give concede space and allow Milan to. To 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 to, to counter attack them, but it was the exact opposite. Inter defended deep in the first. You know, Pioli spoke about the opening four minutes. We had the ball, but yeah, where did you have the ball? Go look at those four minutes. Those opening four minutes, Inter were defending deep. They were pressing high up. Most of that possession that Milan had was in their own half. Um, and then after that, Inter scored. And then from then on, it was just Inter's show for the rest of the half. I do think that Milan, if we talk about the positive sides, we'll get to. I think Milan do were were in this game until the three the, until Mkhitaryan scored three one, um, and they did show that they could hurt me Inter, especially in those in the for pace in in uh, in defense. I mean, when that run from Teo Hernandez when he went off on that run and no one could stop him, uh, he just put the ball wide. And then similarly when Leao and Giroud dropped deep and played that beautiful ball to Leao for that for his for his goal. There are, you know, th- that's where Milan needed to be more and hurt Inter more, but they were unable to because Inter was so compact, and they had read, uh, they had read Milan. But I, I, I'm really surprised uh, to see to, to see them concede five goals uh, the way they did. It was almost as they, I mean, after three one they gave up, and that, that's how I felt. They felt like Milan switched off after three one. 
Um, and that's when Inter turned on the style and really killed them off. Uh, but if we're talking about individual errors, yes. Can I, can I just, I just want to expand on Pioli. I want to expand on the Pioli point because I, I agree and I disagree with you. Like, I don't, I don't see this as Inzaghi not falling into the Pioli trap. I see this as Pioli just playing the same tactics again that failed against Inter last season. I mean, what did he... I have to be really critical of Pioli's tactics in this game. What did he expect? You know, if you use the same tactics that have already that have already failed last season, why should you expect them to change this season? Maybe he thought because of the new sign-ins that maybe this was a better and stronger Milan and they could use the same tactics. But, you know, Inter showed even against the best team in the world, Man City. They just have to win that Champions League final, mm-hmm. Inter, against the best <clears> team. <throat> In the, in the world, the best passing team, the best pressing team in the world, yeah. the best possession team in the world. The, 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 even them, Man City could, couldn't get through, could, could really hardly get through them and create. You know, what did, so why would Pioli think that playing the same way would work? And, and for me, the one, the biggest question mark with Pioli, and this is something you've said for a long time, is, is he still too one-dimensional? You know, yeah. is it still that this is the only way that Pioli can, can play, at least with, you know, this kind of system? Because for me, you know, Milan were just, just they were just, uh, they just, if anything, they fell into Inter's trap. Yeah, uh, they did. They did. Because it was, it was the other way around. Yeah. I was scared that Inzaghi was going to walk into Pioli's trap, but in, 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 instead it was the other way around, where Inter was so disciplined and had a clear game plan and had the players to execute it. Mm. Um, and I have to ask, that, <clears throat> can Milan only play, can, or can Pioli only play front front foot football you know still can can they I mean you know I'm totally I mean I think it's shown that in modern football playing front foot football is more successful than than playing the other way but even if you play front foot football you still have to be able to defend your area at times you still have to be able to defend your final third at times you still have to make sure that you're not so open the transitions as, as, as Milan were even on the second goal for as brilliant mm. as Taram's goal was. They were so wide open on that yeah, counter. Um, you know, they're too easy to play through. Uh, and, the, you know, they, 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 they can't, you know, I mean, they were just too easy. It was too easy for Inter to create, to create chances against them. Uh, and Milan did defend badly. They made some terrible errors. I mean, Tiao was, was shocking. Uh, he was to blame on the first two goals. Tiao Hernandez, I thought, was the only Milan player really that, did anything going offensively. You had one brilliant run in the first half, but he was terrible defensively again, as he always is against him. So he gave away the penalty. Have a look at the fifth goal of him yeah. just rolling back, making no attempt. Yeah, but they've given up by then. I mean, given up, me, yeah, but yeah. again, it's a, it's a, it's a mentality thing, isn't it? An overall mentality. But the problem for me is that he wears the ca- captain's armband and you can't give up when you wear the captain's armband in a derby. And that to me is a bigger problem. Than, than anything else. I, I'm not sure him having that captain's armband is, is the right decision. But that's yeah. where I'm I mean, I think Pioli needs to, Pioli needs to, uh, you know, he, he needs to, these things, he needs to work on these two th- these things. And, you know, you, and, and I just thought they were just a little bit suicidal in this game. And the defence also, I know they had, they were without Tomori and that is yeah. big, but... And Kalulu. And Kalulu. And Kalulu, yeah. And it, it, um, they were without one first team player. I mean, three of their, three of their, the four of the four, back, back five, if you include the goalkeeper, were playing. So, I mean, it shouldn't have been that much a problem. But this season, they've, they've, you know, as good as their start has been, they've only kept one clean sheet in their four games. Uh, yeah. cons- and that was against Bologna, who probably deserved to score in that game, if we're being yeah. honest. So they've conceded six goals in four games. Um, so, I mean, they're going to have to defend better. They're going to have to defend better if... Uh, 
you know, if they, uh, sorry, seven goals in four games, yeah. sorry, seven goals in four games. So, you know, they're going to have to defend better if they really want to, you know, if they want to challenge. The I mean, the calculation has been, and they've been very open about it, that they, they're going to, Milan is a side that is going to outscore their opponents. The problem is that when you go up against a team that is, that can defend and match you, for uh, in terms of attack, then what are you going to do defensively? And Milan showed in this game that they're not defensively there yet, even though, again, they did have two starters missing. Um, I think Tomori would have done a better job against um, against uh, Turam than, than Chiao did. And I think Kalulu would have done a better job against Lautaro than, than what uh, Simon Kier did. Um, you know, these mm. these are backup players. I actually thought Kia was the best out of the Milan backline. Well, yeah, but I don't think yeah. he was very good. That's not saying much, but I'm saying exactly. Like, exactly. You know, I, think, I think he was the. I think he was definitely the best. Out yeah, of he the was the best out of the bad bunch. Mm. But mm. it's. Um, I do think that there's issues, but I don't think this is going to harm Milan. And you know, I think that they will. They this could harm them in the Champions League. I think if they're going to play like this against PSG or Newcastle. Well, mm. I feel I worry. I really worry. Yeah. But I don't worry in the Serie A because I don't see the quality in most of these teams. Of, That's absolutely of, true. I, I absolutely agree so, with that. But you know, you know, it's. I'm not uh, worried. I, I, I think they'll definitely be in the Scudetto race. I think we're going to have a classic. You know, a few days having thought about it now, it's an interview over Milan Scudetto race, and we haven't had that for twenty years. Yeah, more, well, we'll see. You know. we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, just to finish off for Milan, I think that we, the other thing, we, we want, we, I still, again, very early days, and we're, we're probably going to see some changes in the Champions League game against Newcastle. Mm. We, we need to start seeing more from the Milan substitutes. Some of them very expensive signings. You know, so far, Okafor, Samuel Chukwueze, Musa, um, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen any of their contributions. No. I mean, some of them haven't, I mean, Musa hasn't played much, but. You know, they've come on. They haven't really done much when, they, when they've come on. Uh, and, you know, some will say, well, they've only come on as substitutes. You know, what do you expect them to do? Um, but, you know, look at the look at intersubs. Look at the impact that they've had. Um, you know, so we, we, need to, we need to start seeing more from them because, you know, that's the whole point of Milan's transfer market was also to give them depth and give them players to come off the bench and make a difference. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. The Newcastle game, I expect some of them to play. I think Chukwueze will probably play. Um, maybe Musa as well. So we'll start to see you know, mm. what they can offer more. But we, we, we definitely need to see more from the bench from Milan. Um, and I just have one other thing, one final thing to say, completely unrelated. Giroud. Why is Giroud <laughs> taking free kicks? This this triggers me. It triggers no, me. This is one thing that triggers me in football. You know when you get a player that's played, had like a 20-year career, mm. never taken a free kick in his whole career, then all, all of, of a sudden, sudden he's taking free kicks. And 37 in the case of Giroud. Suddenly starts being the free kick taker. Never been a free kick taker. Never been able to take a free kick even in this peak of his career. All of a sudden, he starts taking free kicks. Don't like, understand what, that either. What's going on? What is going on? He, Milano were in a great position on the edge of the area. Giroud takes the free kick and, and predictably puts it, puts it into Rosette. So, no. Just, I just want to say one last thing on Milan. I think we have to acknowledge that Benasser, he is missing, and I think when he comes back, it will it'll be a different Milan. Him and Reinders, I think, will love life together. Um, I, I I rate Benasser highly, have for many years, and I think he's he was he re, he's really important to this Milan side. 
Um, oh, for sure. For sure. And, and Krunic, is a, Krunic is, is an ordinary footballer yeah. and tactically very good. Yeah. You know, yeah. if that makes sense. He's a no, very good tactical player. But if we look at him as an actual player, as an actual footballer, he's actually, he is a very ordinary player. Um, yeah, he is. And Benassar uh, is quality. And I think if you get a fit Benassar into this team together with what they got, I wouldn't be too worried about Milan for, for Milan. Uh, if I'm perfectly honest, I think they will recover from this, and they'll be in the Scudetto race together with Juve and Inter. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's move. On. Let's move on to to Juventus then, because they put on a put on a really really good performance of of their own in this in this win against against Lazio. I have to say, first of all, all four goals in this game, top 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 goals, class top, goals, top class goals, all four of them. Uh, it was a very very good game to watch. Um, Juventus, Juventus first half fantastic. Um, they blitz Lazio. The intensity, the intensity, and the aggression was what we saw in the first half of the first game against Udinese. That the opposition, Lazio in this case, just just couldn't live with the intensity and the aggression. Uh, physically, they, they 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 were just outmatched, and Juventus created numerous chances in that in that first half. The second half, they dipped a, a, a little bit, but overall, it was it was a great performance by by Juventus. There were three players in particular. Um, that, that stood out three and a half, let's say. First of all, though, we have to talk about Vlaovic. I mean, this was this was the Fiorentina Vlaovic. Yeah, now, it was. Vlaovic has been a weird player to to analyse this season because he was very good in the first game. Then he was pretty much dreadful in the last two games, and especially in his kind of overall game. And we were very critical of that and almost questioning, you know, what, what no, happened. If we, if we had over, yeah, if we had overrated maybe him. Yeah, and then he comes in and he puts in a performance like this. I mean, these mm. were world-class finishes, both yeah, of them. Was. These were half chances, half chances, both of them. The first one, you know, Cross comes in and and, and, and just, you know, that just lethal world-class penalty box striking. Mm. That was uh, just yeah. to hit that with his, with his right foot as well. The second goal uh, I mean, we'll talk about Lazio. I thought the defending was atrocious on, the, on his chest down. But the way that he chested it down and then right-footed it outside the area, bottom corner, all in one manoeuvre, absolutely sensational. Um, so this was the kind of lethal, just... Well, this was the Vlaovic. like finishing. This was the Vlaovic that Juventus thought they'd bought, they'd mm-hmm. signed. You know, if, if this was the this was the player they wanted. Um, I still think he, he was better with his back against the goal this game. But I still think he needs to improve on that. Mm. Um, but he also, again, like in the Inter game, we talk about players' physique. He looks light. He leaner, looks. Yeah, like, it does look a bit leaner. Yeah. He looks light, like a feather. Last season, he looked heavy, and and also some part. You know, those two games where he was poor, he looked heavy as hell, heavy-footed, just everything about him. But in this game, he just looked like light as a feather, with spring in his step, mm. um, and and he is powerful. We know. Like when he, we know the talent that he's got. We never, dis, you know, we never put that up for debate. But if he continues down this path and has a season on par with the one we, with the performance we saw against Lazio, well, then we are talking about this. Is this is what this is when Vlaovic is at his best? Is when he's just single-minded. When the opportunity to take, get a strike away is there, and just, just he just bang, he just he just takes it straight away where he is no faffing around no do you know what i mean no. he, he's in the zone he was yeah. in the he was in the zone in this game and 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 yeah i mean brilliant goals uh yeah of course listen we have to see if he can keep this up he has to if we can see yeah, the that's consistency. the main it's thing been straight it's been that's weird blauwich has been weird this season but you look at his goal record I mean, how many goals he got now uh 
he's got is it four, four? this four, four this season yeah. or is it five? I mean, you know, he I mean if you keep scoring, I think he's got four. If he keeps scoring, I think it's four for him, three for Kies. I mean, you know, he keeps scoring like this. Uh, you know, you, Juventus, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, Juventus are gonna are gonna do well as a result of that. He's gonna guarantee goals for Juventus. Um, so, yeah, fa- fantastic. Um, also fantastic, Manuel Locatelli. Um, he brought his Italy form to to Juventus. Um, Luciano Spalletti has unlocked <laughs> has unlocked him. It took him one week to unlock uh, to unlock nah. Locatelli. I mean, no, nah, but seriously, he was he was, he was so good. Um, I've always been a fan of his, um, but I don't. I didn't think he, you know, the, the regista thing was the only question mark I really had. But if he's going to play like this, look, Juventus were so good against Lazio, the Chiesa, uh, Locatelli, the, the top players were great, um, and obviously we're going to talk about McKenny as well because I thought he was really, really good. I mean, Locatelli. Let, let's just say for Locatelli, I mean, great assist for the Vlaovic yeah, goal, and then yeah. a. a Brilliant crossfield pass in the build-up to the to the to the Chiesa goal, but he just ran the midfield. It yeah, just, he did. It was the same he as did. what it was for Italy against Ukraine. Yeah, he he just, everything went through him. He was, you know, his passes were crisp. He he was just dictating the game. That's what yeah. I want from a midfielder. That's what I expect from a central midfielder. I expect them to dictate the game. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, he was so good. He was so so good. He was one step ahead of everyone else on the pitch. So you know, he he has it is in him. It's just can. He be consistent. Can well, no, he, that's the can, question. Can, you, can Allegri and can Juventus <clears throat> give him the environment to play like that? Uh, and and you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll well, I mean, that's what that's what you know. Both for him and Vlaovic, it is the consistency part. Now, that's the difficult part. To play like this is great. You can. We know the talent that you've got. Both of them, they're unbelievable. They're fantastic mm-hmm. talents, but. Now you have to do it consistently. It's also um, different at home as it is away. You know, yeah. from away from home. At home, you're going to have more of the ball and, and everything. And away, you can have to, you know, absorb more pressure uh, yeah. and have the defensive side of the game, which I still think there are, will be probably the biggest question mark over Locatelli will be his defensive side of the game. How good is he at protecting that space um, yeah. and covering? You know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the not you know. So I mean, that's the question. But I mean, listen. When praise is due, I will give praise. And Weston <laughs> McKenney, everybody knows I don't like the guy. I don't rate him as a footballer at all. But, you know, this season he has been good. And in this game, as a right, as a converted right wing back, maybe this is his best position. Maybe yeah. this is his best, the best place for McKenney. Um, because, you know, in the centre of midfield, McKenney is so bad around tight spaces in you know the short passes, the kind of things that we praise Locatelli for, yeah. being able to pass and move, do the triangles, you know that side of the game. He's not, he just, he's just not good enough at that. But at right wing back, maybe it brings out his best attributes, which yeah. is he's got a good engine, he can get up and down. He's actually tactically pretty, pretty. Yeah. He's pretty smart in when it comes to like the defensive side of tactics in terms of covering. <laughs> Positionally, being in the, being in the right position, positionally, he's actually not bad one on one. If a player's run at him, yeah. running at him, he's actually pretty good at that. Yeah. You know, these are his strengths. So maybe the right wing back position brings out those strengths. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say that. You know, of course, Juventus should be doing better than McKenny as a as a right wing back. But he was great in this game. I have to I have to give praise where it's due. He was fantastic. He was involved in all three goals. He did a great crossfield ball for the Vlaovic third goal. Um, fantastic uh, 
And uh, yeah, like I said, he was involved in the in the other two goals as but, well. I mean, that opening it's, goal. It's the best McKinney of his Juventus career. Best yeah, no, it was. There's no doubt about that with McKinney. But I, I mean, that the, whether the ball was out or not, I mean, that is such a weird discussion. I oh, know because... it was. It was definitely in. They've shown. They've shown close-ups. The shadow of the ball was 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 mm-hmm. over the line. Yeah, but well, this is what I mean. Shown. Why this should have been shown in the game, and also shouldn't mm-hmm. you have? Isn't the VAR, if I'm not mistaken, shouldn't the VAR be able to look at that? Um. Apparently they looked at it. Whether they had the angle that they showed okay. after the game of the shadow, whether they had that, I have no idea. They probably guessed it, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean the angle. I've seen the, the we've seen the angle on social media after the game. There's the shadow. It shows the shadow is is over the lights. It was one of those, you know, like I think it was in the World Cup. Was it Japan yeah. against somebody yeah. where? It looked, it was like it was not. Over, it looked like it was over the line, but then when you see it from the other angle, it's weird. Yeah, exactly. More, more That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking too. But to me, it's just weird that they didn't make it clear um, that the image just wasn't clear to, to show that. And well, and this I'm is the really... issue we always complain about, isn't it? About VAR not having enough images available when you know they should do. Um, mm, it wouldn't weird. surprise me if they guessed on it, but they, they I mean, they would have guessed mm. right if they did. Um, mm. But if I can say Chiesa, praise word of praise for Chiesa as well. That was a brilliant goal. That honestly, that is that was so much harder than it may may have looked with his weak yeah. foot hitting it, kind of slashing across the ball. That is such a hard skill in football. It really is so difficult to to, to slash the ball like that. Uh, that was brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, the biggest step forward this season so far for Juventus is the lines are higher. And the wing backs are pushed much higher up, so it's not a five-three-two. Juventus last season was a five-three-two. Well, actually, it was often a five-three-one-one. You know, you might you might call it a three-five-two or three-five-one-one, but the wing backs were so deep that it was basically playing a five-three-two or five-three-one-one, and Juventus just couldn't get on the pitch. They couldn't support the forwards like Vlaovic, and that's probably another reason why Vlaovic is doing better this season. You know, Juventus are pushing men higher up the pitch. They're getting more men forward, and they're just more aggressive. That's my biggest. That's my biggest. The biggest praise I have for for what has changed with Allegri's Juventus this season. Uh, still, the passing, the patterns of play, that still needs to improve. But you know that the, the mentality definitely has been consistent. Even when they played badly in the second game against Bologna, and even when they were so-so against Empoli. Um, we, we at least we saw Juventus pushing higher up the pitch. So that is the biggest praise I have for, for Juve. And also, and this is really important, there's been, for, for, for a number of years now, there's been this war, ongoing war between the ultras, mm. uh, the Juventus fans and and the club. And we've seen empty st- half-empty stadiums. I'm obviously yeah. part that's down to the football, but it's also down to the, this war that's been going on. Well, for this game, the, the, the it was... It was electric, the atmosphere. Yeah, it was. Fans really got behind Juventus and they fed off the energy. They fed off the energy of of the fans. We saw that in the first half. Like I said, how intense and aggressive, you know, when you have that. So, you know, let's see. I mean, I don't know whether this was just a one-off that the the, the Ultras were trying to show, look, this is what we can bring to Juventus. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. But you saw the, the difference that it makes when you've got your fans behind you at home. So... I think that was. I think that was. That could potentially could be another big weapon for Juventus this season. In addition to obviously playing once a week. Yeah. Um, no, and it is. And Allegri, uh, his selections and his decisions, and I just you know you got to give credit to him. He was. He got everything spot on. 
Um, and I didn't I like, like, I'll be honest, I didn't like the idea of Cambiasso not starting again. But you have to you have to say it worked in this game because actually when Cambiasso came on, he made a mistake yeah. for, the, for the Lazio mm-hmm. goal. It's his fault. He gave it away in midfield. So I mean, it worked. We can't you can't criticize when it worked. Um, we'll see again. We'll see if they can be consistent. Uh, and but one thing for sure though, Lazio again, like Milan, Lazio were, were, were very bad in this game. Um, well, no, terrible. Lazio were terrible. First, they first. were terrible. Um, I just didn't like how they looked at all. All the good things that they produced against Napoli were just gone, completely gone. Um, and they, <laughs> Providel was good in goal, um, and still they were just defensively so awful. They were so good defensively overall, and then they had the most clean sheets last season. And then this year, they just what did happens so bad. to the defense? It's weird because it's the same. It's the same defense, really. I mean, it's 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 the same. It's the same to backline, isn't it? It hasn't changed. It is. It's essentially the same. There's been injuries. Um, I mean, it's 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 um, it's strange because they had the second best defense last season. I believe they had the most clean sheets, as you just say. Yeah, that. They, had, yeah. they had the most clean sheets. I think they, sheets. Have, a, I think I they, think had, they had the most clean sheets, clean sheets yeah. last season, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. seven conceded already in four games yeah. no clean sheets this season and, um, and it's very defensive strange. howlers defensive howlers look I, I as I Hassan said and Romagnoli have been very bad very yeah. bad this, this season they're not you know what my biggest criticism from having watched I think I've watched all of that series games this season in full um, they're not attacking the ball well enough do you remember passive. the Lecce you're so passive the, yeah do you remember the Lecce goals do you remember yeah. the, the, the second goal that Lecce scored where it was just it was embarrassing. Like they were all watching the ball in the middle of the penalty area. And then the, the a Sarri team, when in form, attacks the ball. There's aggression. They're not passive. This is a very passive side. They're almost mm. waiting for someone else to do something. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, find that really strange. Yeah. I mean, look at the Vlaovic second goal. I mean, it was a fantastic goal. But there is no way in a million years that you should have a ball that comes over your head that Vlaovic chests it down just outside the area. And look at the, the, the Lazio, there's two Lazio players there on him. No one closes him down. I mean, they, he shouldn't be allowed to get a shot no, away. No. He shouldn't be allowed. And so, again, that's the, the, the kind of just standing off passive and not, not, not being aggressive. I mean, that, that, that was really bad. Um, the only positive for me was Luis Alberto. Brilliant goal. Uh, and Stunning. He, he, he was. I thought he was great. Actually, I thought he was the only player, uh, outfield player, other than Providell and goal. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I've seen some some talk that he could even be called up for the Italy for the Italy. Well, then they better squad. call him up immediately. What do you think? <laughs> you want you want someone? Would you take him for Italy? Yes. Would you take yes. Him yes. He's he a fantastic suit, he player. He could suit Spalletti's system, couldn't he? We're talking again about that Zielinski role. I was the, about, exactly about to say that. Yeah. In the Zielinski role, you want him, someone to tie the midfield together like that, who's better than Luis Alberto. Like, yeah. if, if it's possible, but I, I don't know if it's I possible. think it is possible, because I think he's only played in a friendly, and I, and I think mm. he's been in Italy long enough um, to, to, to be eligible for them. Mm. I think. I think. I might be I might be wrong. He's, he's very close to. Anyway. Um, final point on Lazio though um, is it time for Lazio to yes. drop in yes it is because Sarri's system requires it's a marching band similar like, like Conte and it starts with the number nine Immobile can't do what Sarri wants his number nines to do and this has a drop-on effect it makes it makes Lazio essentially play with with 10 men 
because he's not being able to to adapt and do what Sarri wants. If you remember when when Lazio were at their best last season, Immobile was injured. He wasn't on the pitch when they played with a false nine, and they were absolutely unplayable. And and I you know again, Ciro Immobile, his career speaks for itself. He's not getting any younger, and he looks past it. He looks very past his best. I still say it was a mistake not to sell him in the summer. Um, I think they should have cashed in on him. Um, they, sh- they should have pushed for him to leave. Um, and yeah, I think it's time to start thinking about life without Ciro Immobile at Lazio. Yes, I think it absolutely is. Um, and, and I think for the same reason that we saw with Italy. You know, when you play with Raspadori as a false nine, you have so much movement. You have so much energy. Mm. You don't have that with Immobile. And he's never been that kind of a player, but he used to be able to make up for it with other things. Now he can't do that either because he's looking old. He's looking older and old, and he just it's not the same player that he once was. So, yes, I think it's time to start thinking about life after Ciro Immobile and Lazio. Yeah, maybe straight away because Lazio has made such a bad start to the season. Mm. One one win in four. Yeah. That one win came against Napoli, who things are not going well for Napoli. I, were, I, I was walk, walking. I was watching this game. It was after the derby, and Napoli are awful. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, they drew two two with Genoa, and they only did. They only drew two two. They were rescued by their two substitutes. One of them, Raspadori, actually. Uh, and Politano came on to, to, to rescue a barely deserved uh, draw. Let's be honest. Genoa with a better team. Uh, Napoli had no shots on goal until the 71st minute. Um, I find this astonishing. I, everybody predicted, you know, we, we, we couldn't believe it ourselves, how on earth Rudy Garcia got the job. But never did I think that he would destroy Luciano Spalletti's work within one month. I mean, usually the stamp of a great team, it lasts for a few months before it it starts to wear off. You know, the ink starts to wear off. It doesn't get destroyed right away. I mean, I was having a think and I was speaking to some, 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 some colleagues about this. Like, can you think in the past of any formerly great teams who a new, who a new manager came in, took over a, a team that was great. And then it all unraveled like instantly. And honestly, I couldn't think of any. Like the only ones I could think of were teams that were actually aging teams. Like to give you an example, Brian Clough at Leeds is the famous forty-four days at Leeds. We took over from Don Reeby and and then he and then he he left after forty-four days. David Moyes at Man United, you know, when he took over from Ferguson in two thousand thirteen, and and it was a total disaster the next season. Uh, Rafa Benitez at Inter, of course, after the, the 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 treble with with Jose Mourinho. These are all good examples, but these were all aging teams. These were teams that were kind of you know players that were like thirty that had a lot of players in their thirty. You know they were they were they were teams that you know it was coming sooner or later. That decline was coming sooner or later. This Napoli team, they're not an aging team. These are these are this is a Napoli team that should still be in its peak. They've got players like Kvaratskhelia and, and Ossiman and, you know, I mean, they've got so much quality in there. And how on earth can this happen in the space of a month, Nima? It's just, it's not just, it's it's not just the tactical side. It's, it's everything, the body language that the players show. They're, they're not happy. They're frustrated. They don't think it's, that what he wants them to do is, is unclear to them and they, they don't get it and, and he's not exactly 
helping himself either. It, it feels like he's the kind of person who walks in there and he doesn't know how to build bridges with players or build relationships with players. That's how I feel, at least. He seems to just go in there and just tell them this is what you're doing and, you know, if you're not, then I'll Yeah, he has no aura you. about him at no. all. No. Even watching no. him, watching his body language on the touchline, he doesn't, yeah, <laughs> doesn't give off that aura and that kind of confidence. Just I wonder how long, because I am genuinely worried about what will happen in the Champions League for Napoli. I think I I wonder if because I think FC Union Berlin could be like the the surprise team of the Champions League this season, and I think that will come at Napoli's expense because they look just so they look clueless. They look clueless in the final third, and I think they look clueless all, all over. Never yeah, not just the final third. I think there is no cohesion and fluency None. and patterns of play at all. That's None. all disappeared, which was which was the hallmark of Spalletti. Mm. And the departments, I said this after the second game or the third game, the departments are too far apart. You know, the defence is too far away from the midfield. The midfield is too way, too far away from the, the, the attack. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what the plan, the game plan is. I mean, the only thing you see, you see we, we, it was drummed in that, that, that and the Garcia said himself that he wants to be more direct. He wants to, to put in that kind of long ball or that ball over the top for Ossiman more. We're seeing a bit of that, but it's, it's it's not really. It's all aimless. I mean, Ossiman, I've never seen Ossiman play as bad as that against Genoa. This is Ossiman, you know, one of the best players in the world, and he and and he Kvaratskhelia is different. Kvaratskhelia is in a crisis that's that's lasts back to March. You know, he's gone twenty two games without scoring, and he's got one assist in that time. His is a crisis that outdate that predates um, predates Garcia. So we can't just blame Garcia for Kvaratskhelia. But for Ossiman to look that bad, but the whole team, everyone, um, but as a collective, I mean, they, I mean, they, they were just they were terrible. The defence was terrible. I mean, what the hell is going on at centre-back? I mean, okay, that's also down to the, the transfer market. Jesus. Two goals conceded off corners in this game. So where's the organisation? That is down None. to the manager. Where's the organisation on corners? Um, I mean, if I just think if anybody wants to see how important a coach is in football, well, yeah, look at this. Look at Napoli this season. Look at Napoli. Anybody that says, ah, but they got the players, you know, look at Man City. They got all the money. They got all the players in the world. Pep Guardiola, anyone could win with Man City. Well, okay, some of that is is true. (laughs) It definitely, it definitely, you know, having all that money in the world and, 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 and all those great players. Of course. You can't win without it. But if you have a bad coach, you can't win. Doesn't matter who you've got. And I think Napoli. Napoli, the perfect example of that, and and honestly, Nima, I, I would sack him now. Mm. Sack him now while there's still time. While there's still time for Napoli to, because if they wait too long, they're going to be out of the Scudetto race, and and who knows what else, <laughs> you know? No, but I mean, I think maybe, I'm, could... maybe I'm talking too fast, but maybe, no, I'm, but maybe I'm, look, maybe... I, th- I think we will see Napoli bounce back, but I don't see Napoli being anywhere near a Scudetto this season at all. Um, I don't see them winning any trophies this season if it continues like this, even if they bounce back, because Rudy Garcia is clearly not the right man. I, I, I really believe that. I firmly believe that from the first, from the from the moment he was appointed, and and I think we're being proven right now. Mm. But I, I just I didn't just, expect it this fast, Nima. That's it. I didn't. No, expect that's it. The I thought thing, they'd have a good start to the season. Form. I thought, yeah. I thought they'd, they'd probably start well. They'd win most of their first games, and then it would start to wear off. And then and then they maybe fall away. That's what I thought would happen. Yeah, that's why I, I didn't expect. Too. I didn't expect for it just to be 
to fall cheese. apart. Yeah, to fall just like apart. This. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I don't, I, I don't think I've seen anything like this. I haven't seen. I mean, maybe I'm talking. Maybe uh, you know. I can't uh, remember. Maybe I should decline. wait. Maybe I should say. You know, I can't remember good. a decline. This visible decline. Um, no. It's, but I mean, again, I understand what you're saying. You want to wait because what is it form? Is it, you know, what is it? Will they bounce back? I expect them to do because I think they have quality players. But I wonder if he's going to continue. You know, it doesn't seem like they have someone who can lead this group. Rudy Garcia, there is a distance between that and Rudy Garcia and the players. And that is almost, you can almost touch it. Um, yeah. and, and that is a problem. That is a problem. Mm, for sure, we have to say uh, we have to say though Genoa played very well, uh, and I have to say Goodmanson. I really like what I've seen of yeah. him so far this season. Um, Goodmanson, he was great in this game. Great, great little player to watch. Really, really enjoyable. So I think he's he's one to watch this season. Goodmanson uh, and Rettigi continues his, his great start starts the season. What I like about Rettigi is a bit like what I said about Vlaovic before. He's just like any. Sniff of an opening, bang! He takes a shot at goal. He does everything that, that Chiro Immobile can't do or doesn't seem able to do anymore. Retegi does. If Retegi mm. played like that's what I mean. If if Re- I'm, I was the issue so with Retegi also is I'm not sure how I'm not sure about him outside the box. His his hold up play a bit like Vlaovic actually. I'm not oh, sure about a bit his like Immobile. Game. <laughs> a bit but, like but in the penalty box, you know, if he gets a sniff at goal. And he's got a fantastic shot at him. He's got a powerful, yeah. powerful shot with both feet. Saw that with a goal. Um, and he's good in the air. You know, he's... he's, he's, uh, no, no, he's Rettig is, a, Rettig is yeah. a fox in the box. He's, 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 a, he's that kind of a striker. He's powerful, though. He's, he's got yeah. power. You know, he's, 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 he can be a handful. If he puts that... If he's someone with a good coach that can coach him to use that, his physical status, like, yeah, I think he's a... He'll score. It'll be interesting. I'm interested to see. I still think he'll score. I think he'll score at least fifteen goals. Fifteen goals. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, Um, Roma Empoli. um, I mean, wow. Roma Mm. has had a bad start to the season. One point from three games. They absolutely thrash Empoli seven nil. This was the first game Dybala and Lukaku together. Not a bad start for them, isn't it? Not a bad debut for them. Two goals for Dybala. uh, One for Lukaku. Uh, brilliant second goal from Di from Dybala, fainted inside and then and then yeah. put it past the keeper. Lukaku with a nice finish as well. Free kick a hit at the bar from from Dybala as well. Uh, brilliant goal from Cristante as well, top corner from 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 thirty yards. Um, yeah, this Renato was, Sanchez was wonderful. Yeah, Renato as well. Sanchez was really good. I mean, yeah, listen, well done to Roma. They're they're off the mark, um, and I think Dybala and Lukaku are going to do well. But Empoli. Um, we worst team in the Serie A. Worst yeah. team in the Serie A. They are absolutely unwatchable. Um, and I know they're going to probably blame Zanetti, but I, I, don't, I wonder if anyone can do anything better with this team. No, I agree. It's just they've sold everything. And what's left is just not good enough. Does and, Paolo Zanetti, he's going to be the first coach to go, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think it's becoming I quite I thought he obvious. would have gone by now. I thought by the time of recording this, I thought after losing 7 I thought they would have... Uh, I thought they would have sacked him by by now. Not again. Mm. I'm not saying he deserves to, but I mean, just look at their starts the season. They yeah, but I mean, four, it's seven goals, four, lost four, scored none, conceded twelve. Yeah, <laughs> and and let's remember that Roma hit the woodwork twice as well. It could have been nine. Yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, they yeah, were they're, they're horrific. Did you see the th- have a look at the third goal? Yeah, I did. The it's own goal, embarrassing. embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing. Just, that's not even. 
was cartoonish. That's not even Kids Sunday League. No, it was embarrassing to watch. (laughs) Genuinely embarrassing. Also embarrassing defending. Oh my! Did you see the defending Fiorentina Mm. Atalanta? (laughs) Well, I did say I did say previewing this on Thursday, didn't I? That if you're looking for goals and not that much defending, you should watch Fiorentina Atalanta. (laughs) And the winner. Did you look at the winner? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I've never seen I the worst, I the laughed. worst defending I've ever seen. I laughed. I genuinely laughed. goal. <laughs> I genuinely laughed, burst out laughing when I saw that. I, I it was just cartoonish, but I mean, you know, they. It was a very both, entertaining game. But that's what was, I said. If you want to look at was, goals, was so bad. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely horrible. I, um, I think these two teams. We saw that these are two teams that. Um, yeah, I, I think Atalanta's lofty ambitions, let's say, of getting in the top four, I, I think it's this it's, 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 this game shows that they're not going to have enough for no. that. And no. Fiorentina, I think that I don't, I don't see them qualifying for Europe this season. Uh, Fiorentina, I don't unless unless Atalanta win the Europa League and Fiorentina win the Conference League, yeah. which I think could happen. I think Atalanta. Mm-hmm. The way they play, the football they play in Europe will pay off as well. Um, and I think it wouldn't surprise me if, if they went really far in the Europa League. Yeah, I'm not convinced, to be honest. I, I don't really like the look of Fiorentina this season, but you know... No, I'll say Atalanta in the Europa League. Fiorentina in, in the Conference League. Oh, sorry, League, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Fiorentina in the Conference League, they have to get to a semi-final. Yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry I, I, really. yeah. No, no, no. yeah. I was thinking yeah. Fiorentina win the Conference League. I mean, I just think that Aston Villa and maybe one yeah. of the other teams will, will be better than them this season. Um, a surprise we have season. to just yeah. What before yeah. we go? I just got a one of the most entertaining games ever in this in Serie A. Frosinone Sassuolo was madness, absolute madness. Fantastic saves, drama. You know, Frosinone coming back from two goals down to scoring four. I it was it was madness, mm-hmm. absolute madness. Frosinone had a fantastic the, start to the season. They got seven points from twelve yeah. and. Yeah, they're doing well. The guy they bought from Bari, uh, or they got that was at Bari last season. Chedira, um, yeah. that's it. And then the two players on loan from Juventus, Badenechea and and Sule. Um, you know, Di Francesco again. Hats off where where it's due. You know, just yeah. praise people where they where it's due. We've been yeah, the most critical yeah. of him out of everyone. I have. Uh, we've made fun of him nonstop for three years. I mean, he's doing it so far. Very early days, but so far. Well done to him. I mean, you have to say he's 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 he's, he's punching well above above weight right now. So no, he is he is, and, and their their captain as well, scoring twice, two good goals. Uh, Mazzitelli. It was now nah, it was it was a good. They they're 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 a fun team to watch. But that that was such an in, in fantastically not so fun. Game. Was Cagliari nil, Udinese nil. Not even Nima, <laughs> I don't think, would have enjoyed that. And then Monza won, Lecce won, um, mm. which I just want to, we'll talk about in two seconds because Salernitana played Torino and Verona played Bologna on Monday evening. But talking of Lecce, um, with Pantaleo Corvino as their, as their transfer chief, they're always liable to, to unearth some gems. And it seems that the latest gem they've unearthed is Nikola Kristovic, who's a Montenegrin forward who not, I don't think anybody really would have heard of ahead of this season and they signed him in the summer. Corvino um, scouted him and signed him from the Slovak team. Yeah. Dunajska. Can you pronounce it? You pronounce it. I think it's called Dats Dunajska Streda. 
I so think it's Australia. Yeah, yeah. So they, they signed him in the summer, uh, and he has been a, an absolute revelation so far this season, and so much so that you can correct me, Inter have sent scouts to watch yeah, him play in him. Monza's 1-1 draw with Lecce. They are looking at him. Um, he's only 23 years old. We have to remember, this is the youngest ever goal scorer in the Montenegrin League. He scored... Um, he, he is the youngest ever player to appear in the top flight of the Mont- in Montenegro. He made his debut at 16 years and 18 days. Um, and then... He, 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 the following year, he, he scored seven goals, um, in, in, in 19 games at the age of 17. And then, of course, before leaving, he became, uh, the top goal scorer for them. Um, and he was bought, he went to, um, he was signed by Red Star Belgrade the season, following season, mm. uh, where he didn't really en- enjoy life. No, he didn't he do well alone. there, did he? Yeah, no, his he was loaned out. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. he was loaned out uh, to the to the to the second tier. Um, but then he went to Slovakia and he did really well there. He became the top goal scorer there at the age of mm. twenty two. So yeah, he scored twenty six goals last season in the Slovak Superliga. Yeah. Oh, in all competitions. Yeah, in all competitions. I, I, I should say, yeah. yeah. And then started this season great. Scored two goals in his first three games, and then Lecce come up and they snap him up. Yeah, Pantaleo Corvino does. He's got his thing about Balkans. He knows how to. F- he finds gems. You know, Jovetic is a Jajic, You know, these these kinds of players. But um, it's it's very interesting. He is. A, so then he get Vucinic as well. It was Vucinic? Yeah, Mirko Vucinic, of course, Milko Vucinic. Yeah, yeah. Lecce, Milko Vucinic. So he yeah, seems he, to know these, especially attackers. He seems. Yeah. I think he got Shevanton as well. I think Shevanton yeah. was 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 his. He seems to have a knack. Bojinov from Bulgaria. Bojinov as well. He seems to have a knack for for finding these these unknown attackers, especially when they're uh, from the Balkans. He seems to. Yeah. So could he be? Could he be the next gem? I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't seen enough of him. To <clears throat> I think it's the early days. It's a very interesting player. He's a, he's a very explosive player in the sense that he he's um, he he you feel him come in there. Do you know what I mean? Like you see him, you know that he's, he's this kind he's of got presence about. Him. Yes, he's got presence about him in the penalty area. But look, it's still very early days. It's a very interesting side. Um, Lecce and, and and he plays and I think he's going to get a few minutes and he is their penalty taker and he can he doesn't mess about with penalties, mm. it's Brexit penalties all the way. He puts his laces <laughs> through it, son. I love it, absolutely love it. He doesn't mess about Brexit um, penalties. No, I love greatest, Brexit penalties. Oh, it's, it's so good. It was it's um it was uh, Uncle Sharma who came up with that. He said he said yeah. he started calling me. Um, he started calling me. What's his name? The guy with the glasses who sounds like a Bond villain, the British politician. Oh god, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, the one that Jacob Rees Mogg. The one that said yeah. he never wants to get married because he doesn't yeah, yeah. want them to take his their yeah, money yeah. with him when he's divorced. Jacob yeah. Rees Mogg. He started calling me Jacob Rees Mogg because I because <laughs> I always said that I like penalty takers to put their laces through a top corner, don't mess about, none of this hop skip nonsense. And he, so he, he started calling it, saying it was a Brexit penalty. But no, he, then, he, I, then I took that and I started calling it Brexit football. Allegri playing Brexit football from that. <laughs> no, no, Brexit, Brexit penalty. He does not mess about with penalties. He mm. They are always well taken and high up where it's impossible for the goalkeeper to <clears throat> to, uh, to 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 reach them and and he he does Let's he draws him. he draws yeah. attention from defenders as well like his mm. his movement pattern is very good 
Um, and he's, 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 he's got this kind of, in the penalty area, he was speaking about how Vlaovic, like penalty box player, that he is a penalty box striker. Um, but it remains to be seen if he can, you know, how well he can do and where, where he can go. But yeah, I know that Inter are looking at him. Um, but yeah. It's a big jump up and he's, and he's, and he started so well. And I just yeah, feel yeah. like these are the kind of signings <clears throat> that, that we want to see from Serie A teams rather than signing players yeah. that are already known, have already been recycled. You already know they're not probably not going to be good enough. Mm. That it's worth taking a gamble on these kind of players. And, you know, when it pays off, you know, but then that, that's what also comes down to the scouting and the, the data scouting as well as the yeah. just the, the scouting with the eye. And Corvino is so good at that. And, and, you know, he's not the only one this summer either, is he? Because Lecce, I mean, Anquist, that great celebration. You didn't like the celebration. I loved it. The uh, golf celebration. <laughs> no, I don't like the golf celebration, but I like the, the, the acrobatic um, swivel acrobats that he did. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also the um, Mohamed Kaba, who, yeah. who's very highly, uh, very highly rated, that's come in as well. You know, so... It's yeah, they're interesting, interesting, and they they've had a great start. They're unbeaten, uh, yeah, from the full games, two wins, two draws. Um, so yeah, they've been a great success story, and um, Kristatic is obviously a a big part of that. So it'll be interesting to see what his uh, development is from here. Right, um, just before we do Padre and Prem face of the week, it is Champions League match day one, and this week, and I'll just read through the games. So on Tuesday we have Lazio playing Atletico Madrid. In Group E, Finals and Celtic also in that group. Group F, Milan play Newcastle with PSG um, and Dortmund, the other teams in that group. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, Baraga versus Napoli. Uh, Real Madrid play Union Berlin. Um, and Group D, Real Sociedad play against Inter with Benfica uh, against Salzburg. So, yeah, the Champions League is back. I think we already gave our predictions, didn't we, when, yeah. when, the, when the group <coughs> announced that... Yeah. Um, we believed, well, we were confident then that Milan would go through, yeah. Napoli would go through second, Inter would go through first, and then Lazio, you thought they would go through. and They I have thought, to go through, I'm thought, sorry. I don't trust them at all. So no, I no, I don't trust them either, but they cannot fail in that group. Feyenoord and Celtic, I mean, come on, for the love yeah. of God. Like <laughs> they should, they should, but you know, look at, yeah. look at them in the Serie A. They've lost to Lecce, and uh, who's mm. the other team they lost to this season? So you know, they lost to Juve as well. So and yeah. another, yeah, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. They, they I, mean, are, Milan, I think Milan have to get a, they have to get a win in this first game against Newcastle. They have to win their home games. This this winning your home matches is what's going to be the yeah. difference between going through because it's such yeah. a difficult group of death. So Milan have to get get a win here in a game that Tonali is going to make his return, yeah. assuming he's fit. Uh, will make his return to, to, to San Siro. Napoli against Balaga. I mean, Napoli have to get a win as Come well. Come on. They have to get a win because, again, it's, it's absolute cri- it's crisis time. Yeah. It's crisis. If they, if they lose that against game, Braga. If they draw that game, I think it's crisis time. Yeah, for I think so as well. And as for Inter, I mean, yeah, tricky game. Look, Real Sociedad are a good side. No, let's not, you know, the, you saw against Real Madrid yesterday, if you watched that game, that they they can they can... They can take it to anyone. Mm. Um, if you're not switched on, you you'll pay. They'll make you pay. Um, so, and it's an away game. I I think Inter. You know, it's it's it seems that Simone is not going to make too many changes. I think Pavard is going to make his debut, but other mm. than that, he's going to go the same team, and then he's going to rotate further down the line against Empoli and Sassuolo and so on and so forth. But mm. it's going to be a tricky game for Inter. 
and I wouldn't be surprised if they cancelled each other out and we we were talking a nil nil one one. Yeah, draw, draw wouldn't be a bad result. No. Um, Europa League, Europa League and Conference League. I'll just read out the fixtures. So Sheriff against Roma, Savet and Slavia Prague also in that group G, and then uh, Atalanta play uh, Rakov, Chestokova. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Sturm Graz and Sporting Lisbon. We expect both teams to, to go yeah, through their groups. Those, to, those yeah. games are on Thursday, and then Group F of the Conference League match day one. Genk against Fiorentina, Fenerbahce and Kukariki um, are uh, are in the in that group. For no, Fiorentina. Fiorentina have to win, and Roma and Atalanta. Kukariki, Kukaraka, Kukaraka means cockroach. In, uh, like Kukaracha, in, it means Kukaracha. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember Salma Hayek saying it in, yes, a, in, yes, yes. in a movie. <laughs> right, um, it was Samuel Jackson. Called, that was her nickname for him, my Kukaracha. <laughs> I just loved how she said it. Cucaracha. Right. Um, Baggio and Prem face of the week. Right. Baggio. Um, I've got three. Inter as yeah. a whole. Fratesi mm. for a magical week. week. For, um, mm. for scoring twice for Italy and then mm. scoring again in the derby. I guess you could add Taram as well in that. Yeah. Uh, and then Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, I know you won't like this, but if you anybody that scores a 30-pass goal against Manchester United... Um, Look, I'm not taking anything away from Deserbi, but you cannot tell me that that is Deserbi's oh. football being magical when you are look at Man United players. They were running around. This is if you want to look know how we looked on Sunday morning when we played Diggs in uni, we were hungover slash drunk. That's how we looked. They were just <laughs> walking around aimlessly on the pitch, ball watching. Come on. This was not Argentina, Serbia, World Cup, 35 passes, however many that was. That was a work of magic. This was this was a, one team that was sober playing a team that was hungover. I don't know what they were doing. I've never seen anything like that. There was no, there was, it was low tempo too. It was like they were walking. It was yeah, thirty pass, brilliant. But come on, like let's let's be honest here. Like you can't just say that that is good by Man. United. We can criticize Man United a lot and say that the you know that things are not going well. But you know, I watched this game, and in the first twenty minutes of this game, Brighton couldn't get out of their couldn't get out of their their penalty area. Man United's press was was working fantastically. The, the way they were cutting out lanes, and as Deserby, being the the, the 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 amazing manager that he is worked it out again like he did against Newcastle, made some tactical switches, mm. including moving his his centre backs wide so that it was impossible for them to cut out the lane into into the midfield, into mm. I think it was Dahoud or one or the other player, yeah. or Gross. I can't remember which one it was. And as a result, from there, Man United, they were just completely shell shocked. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't stop any of the passing lanes. And as a result, they they were playing through them. So I'm okay, you can criticize and say, you know, Man United could have, could have done better. But, you know, this is all deserving again, working working the opposition out and, and being a possession master. One thing I will give you is that I find that he's improved ridiculously since leaving the Serie A. That is, his in-game management is truly unbelievable. He makes, and, and the fact that he's prepared his players for this too, so that when he makes these changes, the players don't look awkward. They know what they're doing. That yeah. I think is 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 something that is just that's that's unique. That is unique. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dunk, Lewis Dunk said it um, at the end of the game. Actually, let me see if I find the quotes. He says, 
I see football in a completely different way. I picture it in a different way. And that is the biggest thing since working with Deserbi. Football is not what I thought it was, just how we play now. The idea of what I did before, I thought it made sense. But when you learn something completely different, you believe in it and this makes sense. You think, why didn't I know this before? Why didn't I do this before? All our games now are about pressure, playing with opposition teams with their pressing high and pressing low, when to pass the ball. We know when to pass the ball, the timing of it and the timing of the movement. Um, It's rehearsed. We rehearse it every day. This is our training. I couldn't play this position that I play now, but now I know how to play every position on the pitch and where every player, every single one of my teammates should be. When my teammates should move, what angles they should give. I know everything. We practice it so everybody knows that we all know every scenario. One presses from this angle, one presses from that angle. We know where the ball should go and to reach past the pressure. We know it inside out and we do a lot of hours on it. And I mean, I just think that this guy is, I think he's hes created something really, really special. And just watching the, the way that, I mean, as much as, even if you want to criticise Man United, you know, I saw someone break this down, how if you watch that move, that the team are moving with triangles and diamonds up the pitch in unison to create, to create the, to create that pass in 30 pass move and how it was actually, Deserby was actually copying a tactic from the NBA that the Chicago Bulls used in the 90s called the triple post offence, where three players move as one in triangles up the pitch and, and it's impossible for the, the opposition to basically cut out, cut them out the passes because they're moving in triangles and how Deserbi is now using that and how that was used in that 30-pass goal. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of method that goes into it uh, and I just think that we have to give praise to Deserbi because I think that what he's, what he's building there is, is something very, very special. Um, prem face of the week. I know, I know who you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna choose because um, you got blocked again, didn't you, Nima, this week by somebody? <laughs> Max Rushton. I I just find that it was such a bizarre situation because it was he was blatantly trying to do what they do on on which I believe now I'm convinced that they do it on purpose on Talksport. You see. I'm 100% sure that they say and do and say stupid, weird things and outlandish things just for interactions. Only his attempt was so lame. It was, it wasn't even good enough. And I made some lighthearted fun of it and saying, look, this is the worst attempt at preface baiting I've seen in my life. At least he could have done, at least she could have done this to say that Lautaro doesn't get into the Brentford team. Right. And he didn't do that. And he got all offended and started saying, I support Cambridge, so I'm not in a position to make fun of anyone, and I don't know what's that and the other. And it was as if, and it was it was as if he was like acting as if, I don't know, it, he, he was some sort of a victim in all of this, which was so weird. What a weird way to handle it. And so I just, so I what just, was what was actually happened? He he, he basically dismissed he dismissed yeah, Insta. He, he basically yeah, he, said, yeah, he said something with 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 uh, on on air. I think in Australia where he lives uh, to Bosnich and Ben Foster that yeah he you know this is the group you know I don't I don't rate Inter at all or some some something like that to that effect. And Mark Bosnich said to him that I see I think you're doing I, I've noticed we worked together for a while. I think you do this on purpose. Like, mm. and that's that's all I. I love Bosnich. Bosnich is a great guy. He's yeah, he a great, is. He's a great he guy. Bosnich. He really is. But yeah, he is. He's he's actually very good at his job too. Um, so 
Um, no, he is. He's actually one. He's actually good at his job too, which is not always the case in the media, as you can, as I'm sure we'll get to. I love it. Yeah, no, he, is, he, is, he is great. He is good at his he job. He was amazing penalty stops. That You know what? Bosnitz during the 90s used to scare yeah. me. When my team used to play against Aston Villa, he used to frighten me because he was yeah. so good at saving penalty. And, and I remember on Championship Manager, he used to save everything on Championship, yeah. on championship Manager. Just made, yeah. If you had a te- if your team had a penalty against Mark Bosnitz, You'd never, you know, they, never score against them. We always used to save them. Yeah. But anyway, no, so yeah, no, so you know, it was, it was, it wasn't more than that. But then he proceeded to get all offended and and, <laughs> and act like a victim and and start sending me, you know, things like, oh, it's interactions like this that make me consider relieving Twitter. And I was like, bah, Felicia, like, what you think? you're doing me a favor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but. As if you're doing me a favor by staying on Twitter and interacting with me. Like, bye, goodbye, bye-bye. Like, if you don't want to be on Twitter, don't be on Twitter. Well, you, you stop. You know, this this is the thing that I can't stand. You know, and, and, and immediately turned to, I was just having a laugh. And it's like, well, no, you were you were you were trying to rile up interactions. It's just you were you weren't very good at it. And, and I just made fun of that. And then you proceeded to pretend that your fundamental human rights were violated and that, you know, you, you threatened with leaving Twitter. And I'm like, bye-bye. Like, what do you want me to say? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Where does that by Felicia come from? Is it always Oh, cracks? Friday. Always- Friday. Ice Cube. The Friday right, movies. Okay. Okay. Bye, Felicia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that always gets me every time. Yeah. <laughs> I have no, another it was, one. It was weird. I have it another one. Yeah. Nigerian scams ah, on tossing. CBS Galazzo. He's the, he's the guy that runs the CBS Galazzo mm, Twitter account. Uh, the CBS Galazzo is one of the one of the co- co- only corporate accounts that rivals uh, the Serie. Italian Serie A account for, for being the, the worst and the worst English on the, on an English language Twitter account. It's so bad. Um, well, anyway, they. The, they tweet CBS Galazzo tweeted, and I'm sure I'm assuming it's Nigerian scams, seen as it's uh, about Nigeria. Um, said that Nigeria have the best group of forwards in football history uh, <laughs> right now. Proceeded to list them all uh, and included Cyril Dessers, oh Paul Onyuachu, and Emmanuel Denise as a uh, proof. Are you serious? Was this a joke? Yes. No, like, no, no. Oh. It was. It was. I think it was. No, I think it was genuine. We see this is why I probably shouldn't say that, but this is why I've muted all these people because I don't want to see the bullshit on my timeline because it literally gives me PTSD. Like stupid people <laughs> give me PTSD. It's like it's as if their stupidity is contagious. So I, I just mute them. I don't even I don't even block them. Just mute them yeah. and be on with it. And that guy, in particular, I've had my run-ins with him as well. He is not the sharpest <laughs> tool in the shed. Now he is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He had no. a YouTube channel called Take Your Shirt Off or something. Um, and, and, and I, I remember he was talking absolute nonsense about something. Cause again, he doesn't speak English very well. I don't, it's apparently his first language, but he doesn't speak it very well. Cause he completely misconstrued everything I said. And I, and I, th- I think I remember ending the whole interaction with saying, maybe you should put your shirt on cause you're suffering from hypothermia cause you're absolutely waffling. And that's what he does. He waffles continuously. And and it's just is non-stop with him, so I'm not surprised. But thank God for the mute button. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say. I know for a person who went for that job actually for the the CBS Galante, okay. CBS uh, social media job, uh, and this person I'm not going to name him is like literally one of the best and most experienced people in the industry at that job and didn't get it. Um, 
So, <laughs> not going to say any more other than that. <laughs> well, they've also got the, I mean, they also hired, what's his face, who can barely string two sentences in English together to write for them. What's his name? The, the <laughs> Porzio, who's uh, Fabrizio's right-hand man. So he, he literally can't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Let's the Americans are saving us, eh? Right. <laughs> the um... Americans are saving us. Here come the Americans, they're saving us. Oh, dear. Right, let's leave it at that because I think your voice is starting to uh, yeah, to, 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 to fall apart now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, we'll be back on Tuesday for mm. Q&A, Thursday for midweek show. It'll be the mm. first big mm. midweek show of the season because we have the Champions League to uh, review. So there'll be, yeah, that should be really, really good. Um, so yeah, see you on Tuesday. Uh, have a great midweek. Enjoy the games. Until then, ciao, ciao.